Welcome to Ashes with Ash, a storytelling podcast from your tobacconist community, bringing you stories of life behind the cigar. Join me on this adventure to find the coolest cigar lounges, smoke some lovely cigars, and seek out the most incredible stories from our cigar lounge friends, owners, and customers. Let's tap into these untold stories with a little smoke and ash. Thanks for listening to another episode, everyone. Today we have Steven and Nate here from the Bourbon and BS podcast. They're here to share their stories about how they got into being cigar and bourbon aficionados, how to pair bourbon and scotch with cigars. We also talk a little bit about career shifts and successes and so much more. I hope you all enjoy. This meeting is being recorded. (laughs) Please step away from the microphone. (laughs) You have the right to remain silent. So what's up, guys? What are y'all smoking? I'm smoking the BS Gold, which is our house brand. Oh, nice. I don't know if we talked about that last time. But uh, yeah, BS stands for Brian, who's the owner of the shop, and, and then Steve for myself. And um, we have this made by Placencia. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, it's all Nicaraguan. Yeah. Criollo wrapper. And then it's got basically the filler's got, it's literally like a 25, 25, 25, 25 from all four major regions of the Nicaraguan. Mm. So, yeah. Sorry, Daily. I've gotten a row of 20 year Maduro. Nice. Sounds delicious. I don't have anything. It's very sad. Yeah, what's up with that? I know. I couldn't get to a cigar lounge. And then the last time I smoked in my bathtub, someone complained. <laughs> was that the last time we did a no, podcast? No, it was a with you? different time after that. Oh, all right. A different all right. podcast. I know. <laughs> and I was going to. How do they know it was you? I know, right? The smell must have been coming through, but I don't know, man. I was going to do it on my fire escape, too. Then it started raining. So I'm just failing. <laughs> Probably that storm we got hit with yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if I can do this. I feel like we're recording, but we haven't really started the interview. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> that's, why, that's why she edits. I mean. <laughs> on iphone 13 18 whatever what are you guys drinking this is uh william dalton it's a weeded Hmm. bourbon out of indiana uh the owner of the tinderbox uh gave what was left of this bottle to steve it was a pick at uh they have a bunch of liquor stores called papa booze i believe papa joe's papa joe's papa Papa booze is a better name (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) Yeah. yeah, so we haven't had it. He had a, a few pours left in it. 102.7 proof. Ooh. 2017 bottle. Did you pair it with the cigars or is it? Nope. All over the place. Cool. No, it was basically one of those like, hey, what bottles do we have that we can drink tonight that aren't for a podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> That's Just awesome. Drink what's on the shelf. When did you guys get into bourbon? Go ahead, Nate. 
And well, actually, so after college, I started on scotch. Oh, nice. I was more of, I was more of a scotch drinker, and then it was really hanging out with Steve and Jake doing the podcast that I really got into bourbon. Like there were a couple bourbons I was drinking at the time. Uh, yeah. Like Angel's Envy was mm-hmm. one that I really liked. Uh, but no, it was hanging around these guys for the podcast and mm-hmm. uh, coming to the garage and stuff like that, where I started to try different ones. And all of a sudden, you know, addictive personality. I just start going out and buying bottles. Yeah, right. <laughs> So what happens. What about yeah. cigars? How'd you get into cigars? I started smoking cigars when I was in college. Uh, so go back uh, October of 2004 is when I had my first cigar. And it was actually one of those that you buy at the gas station. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, do you remember what it was? <laughs> it, yep. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was the AC Grenadier. Which is one that my dad used to smoke because my dad used to smoke like cherry blends and have a Tampa's. Oh, yeah. But then December of that year, my best friend in college, he was it was finals week and he was stressed out because he was a double major in physics, mathematics. He's like stressing me out just hearing it. (laughs) He goes, hey, I need a I need a I need a break. I need a cigar. You want to come join me? Like, sure. So I grabbed one of those gas station cigars that I had, go down to his room, wait for him. And he's like. I'm smoking one of these. You might want to grab two unless you want one of mine. I was like, <laughs> yes. And so, uh, yeah, we went out because we had to, you had to smoke in one of the painted boxes in the parking lot on campus. And uh, oh my God. they were called the smoker's box. And so, yeah, so he and I went out there and had that cigar and it basically premium handmade stuff ever since. Wow. That's amazing. What about you? Bourbon Me? and cigars. Uh, bourbon. So I didn't, it's interesting. I didn't drink until I was really uh, 21. So I didn't drink in college. Uh, took care of a lot of friends. Um, nice. I still nice went out, did all that stuff. I just, did, I, I don't know why. My brother still doesn't drink. He's older and wow. um, something that just uh, never really wanted to, to do it. Because honestly, you know, it's, it sounds interesting now, but because it was illegal. It was, you know, like you're not supposed to drink underage. Like I wasn't trying to do it to be cool, all that stuff. And then after I turned 21, I just kind of casually drank. And um, in my 20s, I kind of got into whiskey with scotch, Um, had kind of more of a office job and was, you know, feeling like an adult as a 20 some year old, which we all do at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Because like my dad, my old man, he, he, you know, he's more of a, a vodka, a martini Mm. kind of a drinker and then as we were in our 20s and 30s he would like get a six pack of beer of some like odd beer that you've never heard of or something like that and you're like yeah i got a sixer in the the fridge like for like easter and then like (laughs) by christmas there was like four of them left you know what i mean because you just they didn't drink a whole lot yeah so i just kind of like casually drank uh more whiskey like scotch and, and got into that and uh more more recently with the boom not necessarily just be because I was more of an Irish drinker after that. I was drinking like Jameson more mm. often and got into that side of things. And then much like a lot of people in the last several years, you know, you just, along with starting this podcast at the time, it was with Jake Sanders uh, and, and he was really into the bourbon side of it. I was more into the cigar side of it. And just as it is now, we've done two, 200 plus episodes. And just in those episodes, we've tried over 200 different bottles mm. doing the show and just, 
you know, there's a lot of people out there, guys and girls that are more into it. And in, in a sense that they go to all the distilleries constantly, they're doing all these barrel picks and all that stuff. And I love it. It's just more of like a, I'd describe it, even though we do a bourbon and BS podcast, it's like, like we're enthusiastic, casual slash frequent we're not, drinkers we're, of bourbon. We're not really hunters. No. Right. Like we don't, we don't, we're not the people that like go to the store two hours before the truck gets there and right. wait in line to get a bottle. Mm-hmm. Are you like that with cigars at all? Not the hunting hunt? part of it, but like, so yeah. more like the cigar thing for me, I, I have a terrible memory. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, to my recollection, the first one I had uh, was actually when I was visiting my brother when he was in college and they like had these, I don't even know know what it was but like cheaper cigars and they lit them up i don't i don't even think he smoked it but his, his buddies were and i tried that but then somehow like in my 20s early 20s i became a casual cigar smoker along with becoming that that manly adult of you know scotches and you know rich mahogany the 27 year old 60 year old man well no by the time <laughs> i was uh, that's where it gets a little hairy there is that uh 27 26, 27, I started really going into where I now work for my employer, Tinderbox at Easton, as a frequent customer. Uh, and that became more frequent in my late 20s, around 28, 29, when I was going through uh, the other part of adulthood, when you think you grow up too fast, which is like marital issues. And so I started going up to the cigar shop and the Irish pub right next door and started kind of like just to get out of the house and kind of relax a little bit, you know, kind of, we were trying to navigate through marriage counseling. We're trying to navigate through basically not being college sweethearts and being adults and shit like that. And her and I are still best friends. It didn't work out. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, being good friends with her now, or at least being cat, we don't talk every day or anything like that, but you know what I mean? It's like we're we're cordial, which a lot of people can't say during that time. I learned a lot from people in the cigar community, Mm. um, going in the cigar shop. It's, I, so again, at the time I was in my late twenties, so I'll be, I'm kind of befriending people that are around my age, but mostly they were thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. And a lot of these people kind of, I met a couple of people that are going through the same thing in a sense, like they were kind of on the rocks and, separated recently separated and not separated anymore and people that have been through it last year five ten years ago and it was really a, a very interesting thing and that's i think what really got me into the cigar passion is totally. is the people is the community I, I loved it i loved smoking cigars but it was like i'd smoke the same thing over and over again when i come in the shop it's like how many you want tonight and i'd be like three and it'd be the same cigar cao brasilia gold nice. size and, uh, you know, that, that community really brought me in and, and kind of really pushed it into a more of a hobby lifestyle passion type of a atmosphere for me. Yeah, totally. I love that. Very cool. Do you have a favorite cigar? Me? Yeah. <laughs> um, Anybody. Be, because I was able to have the opportunity to work on um, the project, uh, the BS Gold, which a lot of your listeners may not know, um, but it is, it's the BS Gold. We have a couple blends, BS Gold and Silver, but uh, this, the Gold is an all Placentia blend. It's made by them. It's a blend we did with them and it's exclusive to us, which I love, but that is uh, available in the Columbus area at, at our shop at Tinderbox at Easton and then a couple others as well. 
but uh, and we ship it as well. But it's uh, kind of my daily smoke, medium body, just a hint of spice, just a shit ton of flavor. It's yeah, it's our, in our it's our number one seller. Beautiful, Nate. How about you? Uh, well, last year my number one cigar became the Monte Cristo nineteen thirty five anniversary. Mm. Ooh. I absolutely love that cigar. It's fuller body, rich. Uh, it's made by AJ Fernandez. Just a ton of flavor. Um, and so it, it usually pairs well with uh, higher proof whiskeys, like barrel strengths or something like that, anything over 100. Uh, but it's also a really good after dinner smoke, uh, you know, after a full meal sit out on the back patio with either a glass of whiskey or like a red wine, something like that. It's just got a, it's very That's rich and has, an, it's got enough flavor to stand up to whatever you're drinking. Oh, that sounds delicious. That's a really good cigar. I, yeah, I, I feel like AJ is, you know, can't do a whole lot wrong right now. AJ I know, Fernandez. Right? Always killing it. It's incredible. Yeah. Do you guys have a favorite pairing that you've done that you can remember? Cigars and bourbon, I think, is my favorite pairing. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say. Well, like I'm the one that keeps track of all the ratings in, uh, that we do for the podcast, and um, I think Steve's highest rated pairing was the High Bank Double Oaked with an Oliva Master Blend Three. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, um, Whiskey War High Bank, yeah, is is a Columbus distillery, and they are just tearing it up on they just won five double gold medals in san francisco wow so if they don't have it out there you'll probably see it at some point um we've got a couple local distilleries in columbus ohio that are just absolutely killing it they're one of them high bank they've got a great restaurant they just opened up a second location as well uh watershed's Mm -hmm. another one Mm -hmm. um that you know um they're in chicago now i saw i mean i showed you pictures of that at the the, at benny's so i mean there's It's interesting to see the, the growth of that, but yeah. So uh, I'll speak to that one. That double oak, uh, that was the first edition of that. The mm-hmm. first batch, I just uh, was able to secure, I think the second batch, was it? Uh, no, second batch. Third batch. Maybe third. They do a lottery or whatever um, on online and in the store. They'll do a release. Oh, wow. They let everyone know, and you can actually just buy it online, but you have to pick it up at the store. And uh, it's sold out in seven minutes. Wow. So it's pretty cool to see that. Uh, but the, when we did that one, we had the guys from High Bank on, right? Yeah. Aaron, uh, Adam, Adam Hines, and, and uh, Rudy was on. And they had actually snuck us in and with their samples. They gave us a little like uh, 200 mil of the uh, double oak, and that was really good. And that Master Blends 3 from Oliva is just, it's a rich cigar. Mm-hmm. And I think with a, an oaky type of a bourbon, it just really did pair extremely well. And I think, yeah. you know, if you're, yeah, according to Nate, that's the best rating that I gave as far as a pairing. Mm-hmm. On an everyday pairing, I typically try to recommend something like the BS Gold, not to do a shameless plug on that, but something along the lines. Like even like Olivas, do a uh, Melania or something like that mm-hmm. with a, you know, 90 to 100 proof bottle. Something, you know, even weeded sometimes mm-hmm. makes for a good pairing with a cigar that's not too heavy. Yeah. Because I like that range, and I also like kind of the that Master Blends three slash really oaky, kind of a higher proof whiskey, mm-hmm. barrel proof, if you will, that just really kind of, especially as a nightcap, that's just fantastic after a steak dinner or something like that. Good conversation. 
Yeah, I love it. Yeah. That sounds perfect. I think I think the highest rated pairing I ever did, and it wasn't even my highest rating cigar and whiskey, but the pairing I thought was fantastic. It was the Alec Bradley Kintsugi yeah. with the Old Forster 1910. Mm, uh, because that, night, that Old Forster 1910 is the double barreled, and so it's got a little bit more sweetness and vanilla to it with mm. that charred barrel. And then that Kintsugi, it's a medium-bodied cigar, but it's got this kind of nutty sweetness, like an almond. And so, like, the sweetness with that cigar with the sweetness of the bourbon, I thought was an absolutely fantastic pairing. Like I said, even though I've rated bourbons and cigars higher than those individually, as a pairing, they were absolutely fantastic together. Nice. Do you have any, like, do's and don'ts of how to pair? Is there something that you definitely wouldn't smoke with a certain bourbon? Mm. I think anytime you talk about a cask strength or barrel proof mm-hmm. type of bourbon, you gotta, you kind of gotta stay away from the milder cigars mm-hmm. because you're not going to taste that cigar. That, that, oh. that whiskey is going to have so much flavor and be so heavy on the palate. It's going to kind of blow your palate out with a cigar, you know, blow that cigar out and you can't taste anything. Right. Yeah, I th- the we, when we talk about like the the pairing, people take different, I guess, views of that uh, mm. terminology. It can either be like it's just like eating something or drinking something with food or or whatever it might be, or just just a a entree, if you will, with the sides with it. Is that it can either really complement it and let everything speak for itself, like the bottle and the the cigar. Or to Nate's point, you can have something where it's like, I like the cigar, I like the the bottle, but together, just everything just gets amped up. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's, you kind of want to have that in mind. If you have a knowledge base uh, in, in the, the whiskeys, or if you have a knowledge base in only the cigars, it's kind of, yeah, you don't want anything to overshine or overpower the other one. So if you have a very full-bodied cigar, I wouldn't recommend, a, a you know, an 80-proof really light whiskey because at that point it's just like yeah they're okay together but that i don't really you know there's not much coming from the whiskey as we're drinking it now we're just drinking it because it's you know it's wet and it's got alcohol in it yeah yeah and you know the cigar is just overpowering it so but there's the other side of it if you go too full on both sides you you can you know we did a it's like 90 degrees in the garage one episode and it was um oliva v and it was a Booker's. Booker's Backyard Barbecue at 129.9 proof. And when you don't have hair to hold up your sweat like a lot of people do, I'm telling you, it's uh, <laughs> fucking miserable. Like, I mean, it's just pouring down sweat. And uh, uh, well, yeah, and that it's wh- a little much. That whiskey, even though we've had stuff higher than 129, there was so much spice and heat yeah. on that whiskey that then smoking that full body kind of peppery type cigar, it was just way too much on the palate and it being 90 degrees outside, like great yeah. cigar, great whiskey, terrible pairing. Well, yeah. much. <laughs> much. Uh, terrible pairing for the middle of August. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God. That sounds awful. I hate being hot. I hate summer. You hate summer. I do. I'm such a weirdo, but I hate being hot. I can't what? stand it. Do you wear long sleeve shirts when it's like hot out? No, it is hot out right now though. I don't. Yeah, I have right. like a sweatshirt on. I don't know. That's why. my. That was the basis for my question. <laughs> I have the air conditioner on. Yeah, it's what is it? Sixty eight on your air conditioner. Probably yeah. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's a window unit. 
<laughs> just cranked up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Wake up shivering. I know. Something's wrong with me. It's all right. You keep saying that, but all right. <laughs> Are you guys in the liquor business at all? Or are you just in the cigar business? Just cigar, as far as, okay, you know, cool. uh, from the professional side of it. Just at Tinderbox, you said? Yeah, Tinderbox at Easton in Columbus, Ohio. It's in a high-end retail area called Easton. Uh, it's oh, a nice. mall, town center, all that stuff. It's one of those outdoor malls. So it's got basically now four major areas. Mm-hmm. It used to be two major outdoor areas, and then there's like a hub in the middle. Wow. It was uh, opened in, in uh, 99, and it's basically kind of the, the, the brainchild of uh, Les Wexner back in the day. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was an investor. That whole crew basically there was a Planet Hollywood when that was a thing. That was a big part of that. That's that right there in the the kind of nucleus of the indoor part of it. They have an AMC thirty theater in there. Uh, so wow. it's it's that part was at that time. It was just all that. There was the the Holly, uh, Planet Hollywood. Yeah. There was I forget what else was there. But I think it was an all-star cafe as well. There was a Virgin Mobile. Virgin Mobile, uh, Virgin <laughs> Records. Yeah. Virgin Records at the time. That went in there. And all of it's gone now, that part. <laughs> wow. You know, Virgin Records is a crate and barrel. Aww. And uh, I don't know what, you know, Planet Hollywood's like four stores now. But the AMC <laughs> yeah. 30 is still there. There's, I mean, and That's but cool. see, now it's expanded. Now there's new bars, restaurants. They've developed new areas of it. And our corner... Uh, on Towns Fairway, there's a huge Barnes and Noble somehow still in existence. And then you've got an Irish pub, us, Tinderbox at Easton, a Chipotle, and a P.F. Chang's. And at the end of the street is a fully booked Hilton at all times. And we've just kind of been there for 20 plus years and just killing it. I mean, it's... Yeah, I could imagine. And on the Irish pub, uh, Fidel Irish Pub and Restaurant, uh, they're right next door and they have a patio that seats about... 90 people and about 60 to 70 seats 60 seats are cigar smoker friendly oh my god So i mean it's it's kind of a i don't want to say time warp but it's very much appreciated by a lot of people and another other some people don't appreciate it as you can yeah. imagine you know it smells like cigar smoke you're like no shit yeah go inside we're smoking cigars all over exactly <laughs> so my god yeah so- we're in the cigar business and it's it's been fun he's been actually in the retail area longer than i have or about the same amount but just different shops yeah I, i've so next month will actually so june will actually mark 10 years that i've been working uh in the cigar industry um nice. tinderbox is the third different retail store that i've worked for uh, and then at one point, I was actually a cigar rep for a company. Right. Oh, nice. So how did you get into working in the industry? Go ahead, Nate. Uh, a bunch. So <laughs> so I was, you know, hanging out at a, at a particular cigar shop close to me. And, you know, they would do events and I would always come out to events. When I started in the cigars, I was actually kind of, when I was thinking about it, like I actually started out, I was kind of a fanboy a little bit. Uh, okay. the first, the first rep, the first yeah, event, the first event I went to was a CAO event and Eileen Osgener, who's the daughter of the founder, Jono Osgener. Mm. Uh, she was at the event with our Ohio rep at the time. And 
that was such a, a great time. And fast forward six years or no, five years after that, that cigar rep, he and I became such good friends. He became a groomsman in my wedding. Nice. Um, so that's how I shout out to Miguel. Yeah. Shodell. He, he's now the uh, national sales manager for crown heads. Wow. Uh, that's awesome. But uh, so, yeah, I was hanging out at the shop and they were doing an event. And then uh, the, the manager of the store at that time, he was outside running around for the event. Cause it's always a busy time when you have an event. Uh, he's like, man, I have got to bring on another person to, to work. And I was like, I'll work here. He's like, are you sure? And I said, I asked you last year if I could work here. He's like, did you ask me at an event? And I said, yeah. He goes, I was probably drinking and forgot. <laughs> um, so yeah. like, th- so then the next year, so, so the next week uh, is when I started working at that, sh- at that store. And uh, I worked there for 14 months before I then got a job as a sales rep in the cigar industry. Oh. Um, didn't last as long as I wanted it to. And then after that ended, I, uh, got back working retail at my old shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, left there, went to another location. And then I was there for about two years. And then Brian, the owner of the Tinderbox, uh, kind of poached me. Uh, nice. I was, I had, it was July 4th. I had the day off from the other shop and I walked in the Tinderbox and uh, Brian was asking me, you know, what I made working there uh, part-time and, uh, what kind of discounts I get and stuff like that. And so, uh, ended up talking to him and two weeks later, he, he called me and asked if I wanted to come work for him. And I was like, sure. Yeah. Uh, just cause of the different dynamics of the stores I've worked at, uh, right. it was a different vibe, different feel. Um, and I kind of looked at Tinderbox as if, you know, if you want to work at a cigar shop in the Columbus area, that's kind of the one you want to get to. Uh, yeah. cause we've had so many reps come out of that shop. Like so many people that have wow. worked at the Tinderbox then went on to become cigar reps or open up their own cigar stores. Uh, Jake that started the podcast with Steve four years ago, he's the general manager at the burn by Rocky Patel in Indianapolis. Uh, and then another guy that's hiring <laughs> burn burn or us, <laughs> <laughs> whichever one gets you places. <laughs> might have better luck at burn because you because they serve alcohol there oh yeah um, I like that. <laughs> sorry go ahead <laughs> um and then you know another guy that worked there for about six years he's the gm at another cigar shop uh here in columbus on the other side of town yeah you know so we, we've got two gms you know we had a few reps come out of the store so yeah it's, it's kind of where you want to where you want to be if you want to work in the end you know retail wise local right I got into the cigar industry because I was, like I said, passionate about it. And then after about just over a decade, it was my college a college job that I did. And then I joined them a week after I graduated. And I was there for 10 plus years and had grown with it, grew up with it, moved up the ladder and then parted ways with them and didn't want to be in an office job anymore and look around at other jobs and I was in the, the moving and storage business. I had a two-year non-compete and Brian, again, we keep talking about him. So the Tinderbox at Easton, I mean, I had helped him out actually, but like the last six months or so I was with the other company, uh, like six hours a month 
you know, just filling in for Brian, helping him out, did not need the money, didn't need, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, sure, man, I'll help you out. And then when all, we all went down, uh, he basically scraped what he could together and um, offered me a position and I've been there ever since. So it's been fun. Sweet. Wow. Long histories. Did you see it? It said it had 10 minutes. Surprised she didn't yell at us again. <laughs> <laughs> You're being recorded. <laughs> I think so. you can always end it and start another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you can get on the same link, actually. You should be able to. I don't know. We'll see. If not, I can just send you a new one. We're here smoking cigars, so it's up to you. Yeah. I've got a whole bag of cigars and bottle of whiskey, so we're good. Jesus. Sounds amazing. God, I want a cigar so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe after 10 minutes, I just go smoke one anyways, even if it makes someone mad. We'll find out. I really want one. (laughs) All right. So you guys have been in the industry for a while. Why is this work, like, important to you? Why do you love it? Uh, so this is my full-time gig. It had been Nate's when he was doing the rep job. Other than that, it's always been a part-time thing. So I think his angle, it'll be, it'll be similar, mm-hmm. but possibly different. Um, I'll speak for, for me. It's just, it's, I went from having 120 employees at the end of, you know, again, growing with the previous business and it was just putting out fires. It was internal, mm-hmm. external. It was once I got to the GM position and was reporting directly to the owners, it went to shit. It was just like I had done 80% of the different positions in the company and had been promoted consistently. And then when I got to that top position and was in talks with them to take over the franchise when they retired, it was like, the worst experience in the the entire and I I mean it was just the worst experience yeah. uh, in that that business it was just like they they had me running around in every meeting every department mm-hmm. and also wanting me to do the actual general manager position which was you know have the senior manager report to you and be involved in some of the meetings to make sure the senior managers were doing what they were supposed to be doing. It was forecasting. It was looking at all this other stuff, the bigger picture things. And it got to the point where it was like, even on like, cause we were short of a guy in the operations department. And they're like, well, why don't you run dispatch on Mondays? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like you want me to run dispatch for 30 trucks when I've got people coming in or I have meetings scheduled or I have the HR manager wanting to come in and talk to me about the weekend and all this shit. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have you do that. Also, I want you at the seven o'clock, you know, um, it was movers. So it's like at the the operations meeting in the morning. And I'm like, why are we paying the senior operations manager if I'm going to be in every fucking meeting? Like this is insane. (laughs) So it just got really, really kind of weird. And so when I started working for Brian, I still remember it it was really weird for me to go to work for for a living in jeans and tennis shoes and like even a polo because I had gotten accustomed to I wasn't suited up but it was just like nice button-up shirt slacks you know Alan Edmond shoes and you know match my watch to my belt and shoes and doing all this stuff and it's like well I got an Oliva V polo 
<laughs> so I guess I'll wear my brown tennis shoes with it. You know what I mean? I just felt super awkward with it. And now I basically design the shirts that we wear. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, awesome. like, like the podcast shirts we have on, we have BS apparel, we have all that stuff. And I wear other brands as well. But it's just the fact that it's been fun to be able to grow a business. It's, it's like smaller business, you know, Right. we only have six or seven employees but I love the old school traveling salespeople that come into the shop from the different manufacturers, the relationships with the customers. I mean, I knew a lot of the regulars that are still there 10 years later that I used to hang out and smoke with, you know? And so it's like, be able to take my big thing was they, you know, Brian and and his staff before that, he had never really taken a next leap with a full timer, you know, and saying, Hey, I'm going to pay you more or less salary. And, uh, you know, and then also some, some, some benefits as far as like if we have sales growth and stuff like that, like it was like taking it to the business to a next level and to be able to, to, to expand on a, a more or less non-existent social media, the emails, like things like that, planning events. Now we have the biggest event, you know, in the Midwest, maybe not Midwest, but at least Ohio and surrounding States. Yeah. It's called the smoking Ten event. And that's, you know, besides COVID in a couple of years, we've done now nine years and, we have two to 300 people come in. We have 10 to 15 different companies come in and it's just been a, a, a blast just to see the, yeah. the growth and the community. Like I said, what got me into cigars in the first place was the community. What's kept me in it. And the, the passion of it is the community. It's the people. I mean, Definitely. you can be selling anything, but the fact is that we're selling fucking cigars and I can smoke at work, which is <laughs> awesome. Crazy. In fact, I'm encouraged to, in fact, I'm encouraged <laughs> to boast that I'm smoking at work and I'm, you yeah. know, you know, do it on social media. Tasty um, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I do a Tasty Tuesday every week. Um, sometimes every once in a while it turns into a Tasty Wednesday if Tuesdays are busy. But <laughs> it's a Tasty Tuesday. And it's something that you've done. I've done for, what, five years probably. And if I miss a Tuesday, then I've got people messaging me asking, like, <laughs> what's the Tasty Tuesday? And then they'll come, like, people come in and they're like, well, what'd you do for Tasty Tuesday? And I'm like, oh, I don't remember. And it's like, that was yesterday. So I have to look it up on my social media. Again, that horrible memory thing. What did I you know, smoke last week on the me podcast? Too. I don't know. I was Go drunk. listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, check it out, huh? And let me know. <laughs> How about you, Nate? Uh, what I really like about it is uh, answering questions for customers. Because mm-hmm. um, like, my natural instinct is education. Uh, there's, a, you know, at one point I actually, uh, was trying to become a teacher, uh, in the state of Ohio, uh, and then found out in order for my employer to pay for me to go back to school, I would have had to have stayed there longer. And I was like, no, there's a reason I want to leave you. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't care if you're paying for my schooling. I don't want to work for you for that long. No. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, I love it when people come in and they're looking for recommendations, um, you know, and you, you hit something that they really enjoy. Like, that's what I really like about that side of working in the industry is selling someone on a cigar and they really like that cigar. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was one gentleman recently that he wanted to pair cigars with some different whiskeys that he had. And the guy I was working with in the shop, he's not really a drinker. Like he likes my cards lemonade and that's about it. Um, two at the most though, two at the most, um, Todd gets a little frisky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Todd was helping that customer. I want to make sure he listens to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Todd, was, Todd was helping that customer. And as soon as that customer's like, yeah, I'm looking for cigars to pair with different whiskeys. 
Todd just goes, Nate, you do this for a podcast. Why don't you help this guy? And uh, so I asked, he was drinking four different whiskeys. And so like I paired a cigar with each one of those. And I was like, oh, I want yeah. you to take a picture of those pairings and you look, come back and let me know like how those pair. Because when you recommend a cigar to a customer and that person's like, that was a great cigar. Like, Such a good cool. Feeling. That means I know what I'm doing. And it, it, it gives you a sense of pride not to, Totally. Got to you know keep the ego in check. You don't want to sit there and you know have a big head about yourself. But yeah, exactly. He was on hold yesterday with our credit card machine for a hundred minutes. Hundred. Yeah. Yeah. I was on actual hold for over an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh my God. That's the worst part I about that is that they, it's just bad music. And one of the songs, there was like a, someone whistling to it, but there was no words the entire hour and a half. And I said, I don't know why this person's whistling at me now. I felt like it was someone that was like actually like tapped in the person that was supposed to take the call. And they just are, they're just fucking with you at that point. <laughs> now they're whistling along to the music. And then they just like, we're like, all right, this person's just sitting there. I'll pick them up in 20 minutes. <laughs> so terrifying. That was pretty bad. Yeah, that's like my dad's shop. When we opened my dad's shop, when we were setting up the POS system, yeah. I had to call them a million times. And it was the song that was the hold was Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. Can't listen to that song ever. Was it on repeat? Yes. First of all, how do they get the royalties on that? Like, that's got to be super expensive. Like, you shouldn't have gone with the Beatles. <laughs> it was the worst thing. I don't know how they did it. This was like aggressive elevator music that if you think about that, if you were in an elevator stranded for an hour and a half and the music was on, I don't know what would be worse torture if you were claustrophobic is if there was silent and you could have a conversation with someone or if you're by yourself, you're alone with your thoughts, kind of like being thrown in the hole. But it's like if they, I think that would be something that prisons could do is that it's not only <laughs> you have to like deal with your thoughts being like in a, you know, a, a constricted area for a long period of time, but then they, they piped in that music I was listening to on, <laughs> on Saturday. I think they would get like better results out of it. It worked for Noriega. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think it All right, we're recording. Anyways, anyways. Your, your listeners don't want to listen to us babble on about this over whiskey. They do, though. <laughs> I don't think so. If you do, cheers. <laughs> Tune in to Bourbon and BS Podcast every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There you go. <laughs> you don't listen to, or anyways, listen to Ashes with Ash every <laughs> podcast as well. They're not all this babbly. Yeah. All right, back to business. Yes. My business questions. What's a business failure you've experienced and how did you overcome it? You want to field it? Uh, you, you know what mine's going to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, my, I know. <laughs> uh, no, my failure was uh, when I was a cigar rep. Um, yeah. Uh, it didn't work out uh, the way I wanted to. Um, you know, part of that was my fault. Part of that, I, you know, I think was an issue uh, with lack of training because uh, mm. they switched. I, I had a new boss after two weeks on the job. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was with my old boss on the road. He was the one training me. And we were in 
Michigan. And then he's like, hey, by the way, I'm, this is my last week as your boss, but you and I are still oh going to be on the road God. next week in Chicago. And then the week after that, I was on the road with my new boss. And he goes, I wanna, I'm want i going to be with you in the territory once a month. I'm like, awesome. That would be great. Never saw the dude again. Uh, it's a long month. Never saw the dude again until my last day on the job. Was at the Smoking Tent event doing that. And, you know, had did a great job for the, for the tenement. It had nothing to do with the drugs. You could have said you were at an event. And, uh, yeah, uh, dropped him off at his hotel. And we we pull up, and he goes, Nate, I got to tell you something. It's not going to be easy for me to say. It's not going to be easy for you to hear. Tomorrow I'm flying out to Chicago. You're staying here because today was your last day. God, why? Super good tact. <laughs> uh, at the time, all he told me was companies going in a different direction. That's like a doctor's bedside manner that literally is like, you know, you're not going to like to hear this, but uh, yeah. I don't want to say it. You're going to die. Yeah, you got a month to live. That's not, I mean, yeah. not even that. Not just like, you're dead. Yeah. It was smart, though, that he told me when I pulled up to the hotel. Because if he had told me while we were still driving, I would have dropped him off at Miller and Kelton. Fair enough guy from boston surviving miller and kelton for a night nope not happening all right <laughs> <laughs> um it's insane how did you what was That's, the follow-up part of that question though what was the biggest did, failure did you overcome it there you yeah. go well i mean paint some sunshine in this picture i mean it, it, it was hard to deal with you know having that kind of a failure because uh you know I, at that point i'd been married for just a few years and so i feel i felt like i let my wife down at that point, because now I was not able to provide for my family. Um, and so I just, I just started grinding. Uh, I, I got a couple different jobs. I was working seven days a week. Um, in an 18 month period, I had six days off. Um, you know, so, so I was just, you know, working, you know, I, I got back, yeah. in the, I got back in my old cigar shop. I was working for Kroger. I got a job at another, uh, research lab. Uh, so, working seven days a week and I still do that now, but now I do that by choice, not necessarily out of necessity. Um, you know, I figure while I'm able to do it, work, work what I want to now. So that way later on, I can also work when I want to, there you, you go. know, so while I can do it, Perfect. um, yeah. and you know, working at a cigar shop is, is fun, even though it's work, it's time away from the family, time away from the house. Mm -hmm. Like I'm getting ready to move tomorrow and my wife's home packing all of our shit. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Yeah, I'm moving tomorrow. You're moving so tomorrow? you're you've helped. Don't, yes. don't make it sound like she Jess has done everything. No, I've I've <laughs> I've been packing for two weeks. Not only does that make Jess look like this biggest saint in the world, makes you kind of look like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like saving you in a sense. Thanks. Yeah. Uh but no, Jesus. I mean I'm gonna help him move a little bit tomorrow too. Yeah. Um because oh, so Steve's nice. got experience. Um but no, I mean <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> but that well, you're also huge. Um but no, I mean, you know what? You know, working two jobs, seven days a week. Yeah, it does take time away from the family. My wife knows that, yeah. but it also allows us to do the kinds of things that we want to do when we can do them. You know, to be able to take a trip yeah. or when we need to replace a car, you know, yeah. you know, the way my wife is able to budget and save money and stuff. When a year ago, when we bought a car, it was a used car, but literally we just wrote a check for it. Um, That's amazing. And can you help me? <laughs> <laughs> I can send you some materials. Uh, okay, but no, I mean, just it, it, it coming out of that failure caused me to work harder than what I was before 
because I don't ever want to go through that situation again. I don't ever want to feel like I'm not supporting the family and I don't want to feel like I'm letting my wife down. So I just want to bust tail while I can and, and, you know, do what I can while I can. Yeah. That's badass. You know, business failure for me, there's been a lot of them and I think my previous career during that time, and again, being in my 20s and, and doing something that when I first started in the management tract in that, that small to medium-sized business, I was also managing because, you know, basically, again, I started moving furniture in college and did that for two summers. And I worked with some of the people I then turned around and got hired on right after college. Again, I had less than a week between graduation and starting that that new path or whatever with that company. And I was managing people that were older than me that now you're on the other side and, and all this stuff. And it was just one of those things that I, I mean, in that business I had done, I was like a, a dispatcher. I was operations manager. I was a claims manager. I opened up a branch for a satellite and then I was the sales and marketing head. And then I was the GM, but along those lines, I mean, all that whole pathway, it was like every time I got like right before a promotion, I was kind of at the end of my line. I was just like, you know, I've been trying to do things successfully and the culture was, it was not a bad culture. It was just not really, I wasn't in sync with it. And, you know, for example, when I was the fleet manager, for example, I went and I went to our home office. This is a franchise system. I went to the home office, learned about hours of service for drivers, right? This is a, a federal thing that you can only drive for so many hours. It's a safety thing. And I, I went through this whole course, two-day course, came back to it and said, hey, you know, we're doing things wrong. Um, you can only have the drivers out there for a total of 14 hours. They can only drive for 11, which we probably won't hit because at the time we weren't doing long distance. And the head of operations, the HR man, senior HR manager and the GM at the time were like, yeah, I don't think that applies to us. And I'm like, no, it, it does. But I was a fucking like 23, 24 year old or whatever, 23 year old telling these guys that were also from the trucks, but it moved up. And like, they're looking at us like they're taking money out of my pocket. I'm like, this is like a legal thing. And they're like, yeah, no, we're just going to keep doing things we're going to, we're going to do. And then we got hit with something. And, and of course, then it was like, oh, well, maybe we should look at this. I'm like sitting here in the sidelines. I'm like, the fuck did I tell you like two years ago? Like, this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Like, I'm not saying this to like get brownie points. Like you sent me to learn something. And I did it. And it was like learning that simplicity of the fact that it's like that happened over and over again during the different positions. You know, it's like I would do something and it's like sales, whatever, wherever I was at, not, not like, it wasn't always smooth sailing, but it's like. When I was the claims manager, I was like, they were trying to switch over serve, like the uh, platforms we were using for our, our data, right? And the person before me got promoted over me. Like he jumped over me. We were, we were equals at the time. And I went, in, went into his position, the claims manager, and cleaned up shit for three months. And in that three months, he failed at the higher position, the senior position. And instead of firing him, they were like, oh, you're, we're actually going to demote him back to this position where you were at. We're going to push you over here. And then 90 days later, he failed at that because his life was falling apart. He was just uh, – he was a good dude. And they're like, hey, we're going to have you go back into that position. And I had another three months of cleaning things up. I'm like, 
the f- this is real life. Like, gee, like in the, this is all my twenties, right? So that, and I alluded to that in the other question, you know, the GM thing, where it was like, as soon as I hit that, I'm like, oh, perfect. Like now we, you know, I learned a lot. We can do things, learn from our lessons that we, you know, we've been failing. If a if a frontline mover is not following policy, we do the verbal, the written, the the final warning, and all this stuff, and. You know, if they're not responding, but they're training other people, and it's like we're, we're breeding this bad culture, we can let go, let go of someone. And there was just countless times where it's just like, nah, I mean, but they're good guys, and we probably shouldn't. I'm like, they don't show up to work. <laughs> they go out on the trucks, and out of 50 on an on-site, they get like a 36. And these are the guys that, that are training our new guys. Or they're showing up drunk. Like, Jesus. Yeah, that happened. Oh, a few times. No. Like, Jesus, like, <laughs> oh, so, like, that was, and when I say I parted ways with them, I ended up getting let go from that position. And it was a similar uh, conversation that, that uh, Nate had with the, the owner. It was out of nowhere. Um, and it was one of those things where he's like, hey, I know that you practice this, and I, uh, we try to as well. But if someone's going to be let go, that it's not a surprise to them because there's been a lot of talks before that. And I know that's not the case today. And just <laughs> fucking boom. Yeah. And we have been hitting, we have been hitting goals. We, we were hitting all the numbers. And it was, it was because at the time, and I'm a little bit, I'm still direct, but I'm a little more like, again, 10 years later, it, it's at the time, it was just like, I, I don't need like, I say thank you. It's like I appreciate this, but I got burned by twenty-minute conversations with with junior managers, senior managers, frontline staff, frontline sales. Whereas, like, I'll sit and talk to you about what your issues are, and you walk out of my office and you're just like, "Yeah, I really appreciate that. That really helped out." And then within a week later, they're doing the same goddamn thing, and then they go above my head and they're like, "Yeah, I just don't think that he's doing." My-. I'm like. Oh, the yeah. fuck did I give you my 20 minutes? If you don't like me, you don't like the fact that I'm I'm demanding something out of you because that's the job. This isn't public high school. Like you didn't come to us because you have to. Like you came to move furniture. You came to sell moves. Like you you came to do something. It's more black and white with me. Like, yeah, I get it. Well, yeah. you don't have to be here at this hour. I'm like, I did when I was in your position. I, I'm like, no, like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, I don't like, it was just like, but now when that all came to fruition and then I got hired on in the current role and it has grown a lot. I'm fortunate enough that like Brian, the owner, he's been running a successful shop. He's an operational guy. This, a lot of the stuff that I do, um, it's not like we sit down in a one-on-one and, you know, every week and he's just like, all right, so I looked at your social media posts and, you know, I looked at our followers, like we'd like to get to this point. It's just like, Hey, it's really great that, you know, I had other five guys come in and say they saw the the podcast or I saw the, you know, I saw your tasty Tuesday or, you know, like, it's like, I can't explain sales other than the fact that we're like sending out emails and we're doing all this stuff. It's like, it's been a nice thing that I've been able to overcome it that I've, I've stumbled upon a, a, an occupation and career that, with that passion, with the atmosphere is that you find a place that, especially the majority of the time is the key, I think, to that, is that you find a, a place and an employer that you can work for. You hear this all the time, like entrepreneurship is the hot thing, right? You work for yourself, right. and blah, blah, blah. 
talk to an entrepreneur that failed several times has now worked for an employer. Like you admire they tried it. There's no right path. But if you're right. working for someone else, that's fine to a point as long as you feel that you're being fulfilled and they give you that creative or whatever you are, whatever personality type you are. If you need to like micromanage to, to succeed, make sure you're working for someone that is not saying do whatever you want. And you're just freaking out over here because you're like, I need to be told what to do the entire eight, nine, 10 hours I'm working. I need, I need a structure. You know what I mean? I need that. For me, it was, I need to be able to just look at things plainly, have some critical thinking skills and be like, how can we grow the business? Yes. And then implement it and, and not be questioned constantly and say, well, hang on a second. We need to do it this way. And you're like, or, or more importantly, be told, we can't do it that way. And you, you respond, well, what do you mean? Like, give me some feedback. And we're like, I, I, we just can't do it that way. Yeah. Well, why not? Well, I, we just can't. It's okay to say no, but tell me I why. The fuck? I hate that. Yes. You need a why for everything. Yeah. Or at least a reason on a no. Yeah. Yeah. You can't argue with someone. And this is like going back to like, like adolescent years or like arguing with someone like a, a six-year-old even. If they, if they, their comeback is nuh uh. Why? Why? No, not why. Why, why I, I can work with nuh uh <laughs> is something that you can't, like, you're like, I don't know, but it is nuh uh. You're like, I, I don't, you keep saying nuh uh. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, this is the way it is. And you're like, nuh uh. I'm like, I, you can't, I can't do that. I can't work with this. <laughs> can't work with this. <laughs> nuh uh. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, Fun stuff. So what about your podcast? Let's talk about that. You have 214 episodes. 221. We just did 221. 221. Where was I looking? Was, two, was 214 so, when you were on? No, it's probably what I published up to on the audio side. Oh, okay. Ah, that's what it was. 221. That's amazing. When did you guys start? So I'll answer that because yeah. and, then, um, and then you came later. Yeah. yeah. Nate, Nate was a supporter of the podcast early on. And then, um, you know, oh, yeah. so the podcast came from Jake Sanders, who, again, we mentioned that he's now the, the general manager of burn lounge by Rocky Patel in Indianapolis. Jake, uh, came to us at Tinderbox as a customer and then a part-time worker because he was trying to find his way after he graduated college and he is a passion guy. So he started stumbling upon like the bourbon world and then the cigar world. And he and I became good friends and he started working part time at uh, Tinderbox at Easton in Columbus, Ohio with us. And then he had a boss that's in the fitness industry, uh, Corey Gregory, if you guys ever heard of uh, that, Corey G. He just wrote a book. Um, he's done... Um, was a business and biceps. He's got a pot. He's, he did several podcasts. Great guy, rather successful. And so Jake was talking about doing a podcast on whiskey and cigars. And he wanted to do it with me. I had some, um, I was a mass comm major when I first went to college and, and I'd done some college radio. And, uh, and so that was where I kind of had a little experience, but not anything in podcasting. And so I decided, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. But I don't, there's so many. And you, like, like, you know, like doing a, 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 yeah. a cigar podcast. There's so many cigar review podcasts. There's so many exactly. bourbon podcasts and all. And I said, I, I, for better or worse, 
there's a lot like yourself, like you've got now 3000 followers. That's more than we have on Instagram, but we don't, we don't focus on it as much. I mean, it's, it, it yeah. I, I, I applaud you for doing what you're doing. Jake came to me, wanted to do that. And I said, that's fine, but I don't want to just do another review podcast. This is four exactly. years ago. This is four years ago. So you do different interviews. I love the angle that you have. He just wanted to like drink a, a bottle and smoke a cigar, get drunk in my old garage and, We'll record it. That sounds awesome. It, it was <laughs> cool. Weren't, weren't you guys doing like a Whiskey Wednesday <laughs> hangout? We were doing a Whiskey Wednesday hangout on his social media, on uh, mine, and we started doing that kind of, and that kind of stemmed into it. But the biggest thing for me was that I wanted to do, like model the podcast after hanging out in a cigar lounge, hanging out, drinking with your friends, smoking a cigar. And there's always like the second half of the night, you know, you start off with like, oh, so what are you sipping on? You know, like kind of like you asked in this interview early on, like, what are you guys drinking? You know, what are you smoking? And then you sit around and start talking to these people, whether you know them or not. And you get enough drinks in you, you get enough cigars hanging out. It's getting later in the evening. Kind of want to go home. You kind of don't, whatever you're, whatever you got going on. But It's always either you're, you're someone brings up something like when I first started going into the scar shop, it was with those marital problems. And all of a sudden, I'm having these late night conversations with people oh, yeah. about, yeah, I went through something like that. I'm single now. I went through something like that and we're happier than we've ever been. I'm going through something like that. You know, it's, it's always those conversations about life. And that was the big thing about the Bourbon and BS podcast. We want. I wanted to make it that there was a second part of it. And we always refer to that now as beyond the BS. And it was something that was always a life topic. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's great. Usually it's great conversation. Sometimes it's, it's, it's smooth sailing. Sometimes it's like a lot of times when you're hanging out with your friends for better or worse, that you get a little tipsy. And that's why part two is usually in another hour, hour and a half (laughs) because the bottle's still here and, another bottle shows up and yeah, whatever it might be. But I mean, we have a good time with it and that really is what started it early on. And now we've, I feel like we've kind of developed it to uh, more of a structured thing. Jake himself has even been on uh, in the last year or so. And um, he, you know, it's like now at the end of part one, we do a, a rating as you, you did with us, you know, as far as the, the whiskey, yeah. the cigar, the pairing and, we try to structure it a bit more. We have a Patreon page. We've got swag. We've got, you know, more like we use StreamYard to we stream it live every Wednesday, 730 ish p.m. Eastern time. And uh, we get live audience, which is great. Early on, we were just we had one mic sitting in front of us. And we were talking around the garage. and We'd post it, try to get people to listen to it. Now we get more traction and, and audience on YouTube and and especially Facebook live where part of the podcast is our audience and we try to monitor it as we're recording because you know when we have guests like yourself or anyone else or it's just the two of us we'll try to get the audience the questions and points up there so we can respond to them so it added another dynamic to it yeah and there's great conversations to be had sometimes in in the uh in the comment section in the feed like even like on the side of the show yeah there's like people that are just commenting having a conversation back and forth about what we're talking about yeah yeah, that's great. Yeah. I really do like that. That was fun on your podcast <laughs> to have the people commenting and saying stuff and you yeah. go off of that. That was cool. Totally well, different dynamic. Well, and what's really nice is, you know, we've had some 
uh, you know, some people in the whiskey industry, some people in the cigar industry on the podcast, um, you know, like sometimes it's the name behind the brand, you know, like the founder of a whiskey company or the founder of a cigar company on, and, you know, they've done dozens of podcasts before, but every single time we have one of them on after we wrap up and we're just hanging out talking, they always talk about part two yeah. beyond the BS, the yeah. live topic. They're like, cause they're drunk. One. Well, they're like, they're like, I do all these other podcasts and this one's completely different because you guys just talk about life. Cause a lot of those guys, when they do podcasts, it's interviews. It's the um, same interview right. over and over. It's same, yeah, same one over and over every podcast. Like, if it's a cigar podcast, what's the you know what's the makeup of the cigar? What's the blend? You know, where's the tobacco come from? If it's a bourbon podcast, you know, what's the mash bill? How long's it aged? What's the char level? Like all these nerd right. questions, and yeah. yeah, so we'll sit there. You know, the, that first part. You know, if we got one of those people on, we'll go a little heavy on that uh, side of the topic. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's cigar or whiskey. Um, but then the life, it, it's not so much an interview, it's talking about a topic and their viewpoint on that topic. And it, it, yeah. it sometimes it gets a little deep and, uh, and heartfelt at times. Uh, but that's what makes it different. And they, they love that. Yeah. I want to, I want to mention something. I looked back on when this was and it makes sense. So I don't know where you're, you're at the Davidoff lounge, right? In, in New York. Yeah. Do you guys sell Alec Bradley cigars? No, Alec Bradley. All right, perfect. That's a great lead into this. Um, <laughs> so for, for those that listen to your podcast, Alec Bradley Cigars is owned by Alan Rubin. And um, mm-hmm. we were fortunate enough to have Alan Rubin on the podcast. And before that, we had had uh, Alec at the Smoking Tent event and Bradley at the Smoking Tent event. And I was nervous having... Alan on the podcast because he and I had met met briefly at Cigar Fest in like 2015 or something like that, right? And uh, we had Ryan Ponest, who is now their business development manager, but he was our, our regional rep for a long time. But we had Alec on first time we had Alec, not Al, yeah, he was on the podcast, but the first time we had Alec in the Smoking Tent event, um, he was <laughs> just started traveling. Alex, the older son of Alan Rubin. So he's Alec and Bradley. For those who don't know why it's Alec Bradley, if you call it like, you know, Alec Baldwin cigars, that happens a lot. You know, it's like all that <laughs> stuff, which is fine. But it's Alan Rubin that owns it. And Alec and Bradley are his sons. And that's what he named the, the, the company after. So Alec is at the Smoking Tent event. And I'm like, hey, let's get a bump on stage. He's up there with Eric Espinosa. He's up there with Ricky Rodriguez, Nish Patel. Dan Welsh from uh, Latelier. He was up there with uh, Tom Lazuka, I think, that year. About eight of them. And he, like one of them is, is Alec Rubin. <laughs> and Ryan Ponis, the rep at the time, gets a call from Alan. First, Rubin. it was a text. It was a text. How's it going? And he says, great. Alec's up on stage right now. And he gets a call. And he's like, what's he doing on stage? And he's like, no, he's doing great. He's like, we have a Q&A session for the VIPs. And he's like, he's never done that before. He's doing fine. <laughs> so that happened. Uh, the next time Bradley was like a year later, Bradley, the younger son's in the tent. He didn't, I didn't put him up on stage based off of that. But then later that night, I got Bradley Rubin in my garage killing a bottle of Bland's with us. And, and then he even will tell you to this day, that was the worst morning of his life because he had to fly back to wherever. Oh. And he, was, he had an Alec Bradley t-shirt on at the airport. <laughs> And the TSA agent, he's like, oh, you're a cigar smoker. He's like, no, I'm actually, uh, you know, I'm Bradley Rubin. 
seven with Alec Bradley. Were you at the ten event last night? Like, yeah, I was there. It was great. <laughs> and he's like, I felt like such shit. So then, Holy God. so then the 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 pandemic hits, and we're doing this podcast like the whole time. Alec Alec had been on, Bradley had not, but um, Ryan Ponest had. You know, I reached out to him. I said, because everything's shut down, right? So this is this is in April of 2020. If you you scroll back, March of 2020, the world stopped, right? Yeah. And so we had this, and and to what's great about this part too, we had um, Alan Rubin on, Ryan Ponest, and Nate wasn't on that night. I don't think, right? You were watching, but I had a couple of guys from the the Bourbon and BS community, Shannon Chapman and Sean uh, Wilkinson on. Yeah. So I had five windows going on this live broadcast. And we and we called the 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 part two back to basics because they they were kind of just really getting passionate about the the cigar community and smoking and everything else. Friends of of the area, and I had them on with an owner of a cigar company, and we were smoking, and we had Ryan on. In part one, we had smoked the I think it was a Tempest Nicaragua. We were drinking Glenfiddich, which is what you know again it's a Scotch, but it's something that Alec Bradley has a, a relationship with. And then part two came is back to the basics and. We had this probably, I don't know, what does it say? Hour and a half session of talking about back to the basics and the cigar thing, but even it was just life in general. And yes. yeah. we, we we ended the episode and I, you know, I thanked Alan for being on there. And I said, you're welcome to stay on. I think the four of us, five of us are going to stay on. And uh, he's like, no, I'll stay on for a while. And he was on for another 45, 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, he's like, you know, Steve, I got to tell you, like, like to Nate's point, I've been on a lot of podcasts. He's like, what you're doing here, especially at that time, he's like, especially right now with what we're, we don't know what's going on, that you are bringing people together and talking about real shit. So this is what, and to him, it was like, this is what the cigar community is about. He's like, I, you know, I wish there was more of this. And he's like, I just... He was very, very complimentary about what we were doing as a podcast. And it was like some people listen to part one, some people listen just to part two, and some people listen to the whole thing on audio on two speed because it goes three hours. Sometimes we have part one, part two separated, but it's like we have some people out there that, you know, and we always say it is the only thing that really keeps us going is if one person either says, hey, I really appreciate it. I want to try that cigar. And that, that bottle sounded really good. I need to try to pick that up. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more left? No, we don't. Or I think more importantly, as much as we are all into the whiskey and the cigars, is when someone messages or comments or texts me later and says, hey, that conversation, I needed that. Mm-hmm. feels so good, right? It really does. It's it, That's the yeah. reward. Yeah, I love that's so cool. Okay. Before I ask my last question, let everybody know where they can find your podcast, where they can find you guys. So it's called Bourbon and BS Podcast. And so I'll start with Facebook, um, Bourbon and BS Podcast. And, and that is the primary page for it. There's also a, a, like a group page called Bourbon and BS Community Page, which is kind of an extension off of that. 
and we're at like 1500 so members strong right now and that's where there's been a lot of good relationships that have been formed through listeners and people that we all know and it's been really great Facebook on the Bourbon and BS podcast page. We stream live every week on Wednesdays around 7.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then we uh, also will stream that on YouTube live. If you guys are YouTube listeners, we don't have as big of a following on there, but um, it's available. Those videos stay up afterwards if you guys want to do that and uh, see our faces and see who's in the garage or like yourself, Ash, who's on the, the stream. And also on all the the this the podcast apps like itunes spotify iHeartRadio, luminary yeah i don't know all everything. of them all the platforms basically all the platforms at bourbon and bs <laughs> podcast perfect all right my last question my favorite question what's the most memorable moment you've had while smoking a cigar it's the most memorable cigar you've ever had not because of the cigar, but because of the atmosphere, the moment, like you're having a good conversation or in a good place, or maybe you're by yourself. You want to go? You want me to go? I'll go first. Go ahead. Uh, so for me, for me, it'd be uh, about two or three years ago. It was an Easter Sunday. Um, last few years, my wife and I have hosted her family at our place for Easter, um, but we always invite my dad. Uh, cause my dad usually doesn't go anywhere, uh, for Easter, uh, just because my sister's married with kids, you know, trying to hit everybody. It, it's, it's as bad as Christmas trying to hit all the families. Um, oh, yeah. so I, you know, we've, I've been inviting my dad for Easter Sunday the last several years. And it was a couple of years ago. It was after we ate, my dad and I went into the backyard, you know, put out a couple folding chairs underneath the maple tree and just smoked cigars and, and had a couple pours of whiskey, just the two of us sitting out there by ourselves as father and son, you know, just, Hell yeah. and, you know, not talking about anything serious. Sometimes, you know, just enjoying the silence, but being yeah. there with company, you know, with good company, just enjoying the cigars and whiskey. That's perfect. Do you remember what cigar it was? Uh, <laughs> not, not to shamelessly plug, <laughs> But it, it actually was the BS Gold. I mean, nice. it was uh, that. That was the that was That's the first. Perfect. That was the first one of those my dad had ever had. So. Contact BS Cigar Company on uh, Instagram or uh, Facebook. Or... Well, this past oh, year I shared BS Cigar Company at gmail.com. Well, this past year uh, for Easter, uh, I had two cigars in my humidor that I've had for like eight and a half years, and the cigars were twenty years old, and I'd been sitting on them. And I had thought about sharing it with Steve. And then finally I was down and in, in looking in my humidor to grab cigars for me and my dad. And I was like, I've had this cigar for eight years. Fuck it. Let's smoke it right now. <laughs> yeah, right? Good, Good, call. Good call. Good <laughs> call. All right. Your most memorable moment smoking a cigar. So I, I've had um, similar ones with my father that, that, that Nate had. Um, and, and I'll say this about that. You brought this up, Nate, about, you know, your father and your dad, um, had some great smoking experiences. He smoked cigarettes for his, my whole life, but there was a point where like, you know, even in his later years, 
that at some some holidays at, at the house, you know, mom and dad's house, you know, Easter if it was nice, you know, we sit out on their patio and I'd smoke a cigar and he was not smoke. He was kind of a closet smoker at that point. He had a triple bypass. He, you know, he's like not supposed to. Oh, so he <laughs> didn't do it in front of the family. But um, I, it was nice to be able to, you know, relate with him, sitting down talking about business stuff that he liked to talk about. You know, we talked about sports a lot. He would coast our, our our stuff and growing up, and but to be able to like start smoking cigars around him and he made sure to have a, a bottle of Jameson instead of that six pack of beer that no one wanted to drink. Right. You know, <laughs> so he started like, Hey, you know, I, I got, I got a bottle of Jameson for, for you to have a couple drinks, you know, while we're getting together. So there's that bonding part of it. And then, you know, since then, um, you know, he's passed away. And so I usually will go out with um, a bottle and a glass in my trunk and a, and a cigar and go out for Father's Day and his birthday and the day he passed away. So three times a year at least, I go out there. Um, but on a different note, I, I my probably one of my most memorable cigar smoking experiences was actually in Cuba. Uh, I had the opportunity to go down there in 2018 in August. And so we went down with a couple of our uh, customers and friends and they had already been down several times. So they kind of already worked out this kind of networking relationship with certain people uh, different shops, you know, different like the Partigas shop and um, the Casa del Habano at um, Club Havana, which was great. They met, uh, oh, Alex Glez, who was at Commodoro. So we met all these great people. And he also met, because he went down to the Fifth Avenue store, if, if anyone's familiar with that, in uh, Havana which was Don Carlos, who was the fourth generation of the Robaina family. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, very cool that he had that connection. He had, he, I think he had met Hirochi, uh, who's fifth generation, who's kind of running everything right now. Hmm. And he, but he, he kind of like befriended again, uh, uh, Don Carlos, who was the oldest of the family at the time. Don Alejandro was third generation and he was like the face from my knowledge, he was like the face for Fidel and, and Cuban tobacco. And there's oh, like, wow. we've got a couple of pictures in the shop that actually Hirochi had signed uh, post this story. But it was really cool because learning all this stuff. So one day of the, the six days we were out there, we were in Havana, but we, we wanted to take a trip out to uh, Pino del Rio. And it was, you know, it's about two, three hours away from Havana. So we, we took a trip out there and we had one stop that was scheduled, which was Hector Ruiz and his farm, who, again, one of our guys, Mark, had already friended and been out there. He'd been there, I think, about 10 to 12 times before in a short period of time, like the, the year and a half, two years that it was it was more easily uh, uh, obtainable to travel that. And but we had heard because Don, Don Carlos wasn't at the Fifth Avenue store that they were there. So it's like, yeah, he's going to be out at the farm. So we went out there because, you know, the last time they turned him away, they turned him all, all the guys away because they weren't doing tours or anything like that. And so we, we pull up to the, the Robaina farm, which was a great experience in itself, just to kind of take this little like gravel road back to the farm. And then you see these other people that it's like, I don't know if they're like security side, you know, what, what it is, but you, you travel back there. And he just wanted to say hi to, to Carlos. And so Ivan, 
who's like their translator slash like tour guide slash I guess right hand man. Um, he sees us. He starts talking to us and okay, let me get done, Carlos. So we go back to that the partner family's been down to their farm in Cuba. They've got this like pavilion area. You might have seen it. if you, you check it out um, on Amazon Prime. Uh, Prince of Smoke is like a 25 minute documentary on Hirochi and how Don Don Alejandro had passed things down to Hirochi. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. It's on Amazon. It's about again 25 minutes. Okay. Called Prince of Smoke. Uh, Hirochi, I believe, is also on Hand Rolled, which is a great documentary on Apple which is produced by uh, oh. Pete Johnson. So, gotcha. so, so anyways, we roll up there. It's just the three of us. Cause one of, one of the, the guys in our group stayed back at the house. And so we're sitting there and we're talking to Don Carlos. Cause he comes out and Ivan's out there translating. And uh, we got, uh, so it was Mark Brandon, myself, and we're sitting in these rocking chairs in this pavilion just looking around we kind of checked out a little bit of the farm we, we, but it was just like kind of very informal like can we get you some coffee like i'll take some coffee absolutely so we're sitting down having coffee in these rocking chairs and in, in one of the rocking chairs there's this wooden sculpture of don alejandro sitting there with cigar in hand other hand on the the the, the arm of the rocking chair i think his legs are crossed and he's just kind of like just him sitting there wooden sculpture and kind of a cool you know ode to him but as we're sitting there it's like the community family side of it just really starts coming through because you have don carlos sitting next to him and ivan i think was behind him i say him the wooden sculpture and we're, we're sitting there in these chairs drinking coffee but then hirochi comes up Roach comes in, says hi to everyone. And then he sits down in the other chair next to Don Alejandro. And so now we're sitting there and we're, we're, you know, we've been there already like 30, 45 minutes. And so now Hirochi's like, you guys want a beer? Sure. Well, I'll have a beer. I'll have a beer with like one of the greatest families of the Cuban tobacco industry. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so he gets out of El Presidente and we're, we're sipping on beers and he's like, he looks over at Ivan. He's like, you guys have the time for a smoke. And I'm like, yeah. I look over at Mark cause Mark's kind of like the guy in our group, you know, he like knows all these guys. And it's like, we have an appointment with Hector and he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll have it. So then he looks at Ivan. He's like, Oh, go, go to my humidor and um, just grab. And he's talking in Spanish. He's grab, grab this. Ivan comes back with some cigars and so then we're sitting down for another at least an hour we got Hirochi Robana we got Don Carlos we got Don Alejandro's sculpture sitting there and like while we're talking it's like I literally I'm not kidding you know there are times where like I feel like each of them it was like Alejandro was there I mean they're like literally like hand on 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 his like the sculpture's hand and like just the 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 wow level of affection and respect for just him being there and then you know, i'm sitting there smoking cigars that you know obviously hirochi is all cuban like their their tobacco his personal stash it could have been shit that they were going to throw out i don't know but 
it was just the fact that like they brought it up and then he's asking me and his his broken english gets better as you talk to him more because i feel like he feels more comfortable mm-hmm. but he's asking us about how we handle our humidors he's asking like you know our tobacco what what, what do you sell the most of and we're talking about nicaraguan tobacco and he knows aj fernandez he knows the placencia family he knows all the like he, like it's a even in cuba Minus all the other issues, he he knows like they they know each other, right? There's this this mutual respect, and I, I learned so much in this conversation with Hirochi, uh, just because I happen to be sitting next to him in the, in the the circle of rocking chairs, and he finds out that I'm a manager of a shop in, in Columbus, Ohio, and, he, and he's like, "Yeah, I want to I want to come up." That's amazing. And it was just really cool, and and, and unfortunately, it never came to fruition because of COVID, but. He was actually, because he has the, the line of HR cigars. Have you ever heard of that? I don't think so. So Hirochi, it's HR's Hirochi Robayana. And so they have this line of uh, HR cigars that are made in Nicaragua that he's behind in a sense. And I don't know the logistics of it or the legalities of it. But he, he does travel to the country a bit. And he was going to come to that Smoking Tent event because of the connection of what we made down in Cuba as a group. Hell and yeah. uh, so that was probably one of my... I've met a lot of people in the industry. I respect a lot of people in the industry. I'm just a guy that manages and and works at a shop in Columbus, Ohio. But somehow this community really opens up doors to some people that really influence the the way that this this community and this product and this this hobby and lifestyle, the roots of it all. And that, that conversation, some rocking chairs with the fifth and fourth generation of a Cuban family that started in the 1840s, that might be, (laughs) that's up there as far as, as a hobby that is like meeting one of like your, like the Michael Jordans of, of the cigar industry. And then just sitting down smoking cigar with them and then just having a bullshit conversation about like cigars and life with you. It, that's got to be my best. I'm so glad you Definitely. let me go first. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> that is an awesome story. That is definitely a memorable moment for sure. Absolutely. Your terrible memory can't get rid of that one. No, because I'm Facebook friends with Ivan and and, and Roy, <laughs> our driver, him. and oh, Dallas from the Partagas uh, store. Uh, yeah, it's amazing to, to go down there for a week. And because of like, you know, social media, everyone like looks at that in different lights. But the fact that like I can look at now things that happen in Cuba just through social media. Amazing. Um, and I can literally like if like Odalis, who's the, one of the greats at uh, the Partagas, uh, Castel Habano, she's amazing. And like if she posts something, I can actually comment on it. And all of a sudden she comments back or likes something. It's like, that's cool as shit. As, yeah. as, as Nate said earlier, like being like a fanboy of the industry. It's like you do that and it's like, Yes, we have Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic, and all those. But it's like that Cuba element is, I'm not saying it's better, but it was like, like I wouldn't, I'm not going to know anyone down there in this industry. It's like fucking smoked a cigar with Hirochi and Don Carlos. I smoked <laughs> with people at the Partagas, uh, Castel Habano. And just from knowing the people I know, I'm sitting back there the first time, instead of just sitting there and they're like, what can I get you in a sense? They're literally like giving me hugs because of who I'm with. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, here's a bottle of rum and four glasses for you guys. I hope you have a good time. It's like, I, yeah, yeah I, I will. <laughs> that's that's a tough one. 
I like that video when you guys were down there and you're, you know, Roy's their driver. Every time they go down, they book Roy for the entire week. Yeah, he's amazing. And, uh, you know, they make sure to take care of him. And there's that one video where you guys are all in the car driving out to one of the farms and Roy's got the radio on and enter Sandman from Metallica comes on and Roy's sitting there like <laughs> drumming on the steering wheel and just like every word banging his head and our, oh yeah. That's great. <laughs> A lot of good stories from Cuba. It's fun. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Well, guys, this has been absolutely perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for having me on yours. Absolutely. I love talking to you guys. This has been great. <laughs> Anytime, and, and hopefully we'll get out your way at some point or if you end up in our area. Yes, please do. I was well, out, I think I told you last time I was out in your area in like September yeah. last year. Yeah. I should have known. <laughs> so if it happens again, you're welcome in the garage. We'll we'll schedule a podcast. Good. <laughs> smoke in person. I can actually right. smoke. Not in my yes. bathtub. Will you have a bathtub there for me? There is a bathtub, but I'd prefer <laughs> if you smoke in the garage with us. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the patio. Yeah. If you the patio. Say so. <laughs> Sounds boring, but I'll give it a try. It's never boring to go <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and yes. uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again, Stephen and Nate. Everyone, the Bourbon and BS podcast is a blast. They talk bourbon and cigars the first half, and then the second half they talk all things life. If you're looking for a really fun virtual hangout, grab a smoke and a glass, head over to the Bourbon and BS podcast. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I'll talk to you soon.